NPC's Weekly News Roundup for January 18th, 2020. My name is Travis, and of course I'm joined by Preston, Kyle, Hi. and Dan. Hello. God damn it, sir! <laughs> <laughs> he fu- I, was- he I didn't his- screw up. He Kyle faster than last yes, time. Yes, he did screw up. He, <laughs> he says he, you asked way too quickly. Acting like that was Kyle's fault. I will blame Kyle, too, but... Kyle was like, kicked back in the seat there, just taking out but his No, phone. you asked way too fucking quickly. Kyle, you're like joined by a president, and then Kyle, you didn't even, you didn't, you didn't give Mitch Hedberg time to guess, kind of shit. <laughs> you got to give me time to respond, motherfucker. I love blaming Kyle. Don't, like, but this that was not you this time. I love to blame you. Well, thank you. I know, but this was not you. That was Sherm. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I feel better. Let's go ahead and get started with the news, guys. Our first story here comes to us from VG twenty four seven. Cyberpunk 2077 release has been delayed to September 17th. CD Projekt Red has delayed the release of Cyberpunk 2077 to September. The developer announced the delay from April 16th to September 17th in an official announcement on Twitter. And a little quote here says, We want the game to be our crowning achievement for this generation, and postponing launch will give us the precious months we need to make the game perfect. You see the responses online, though? Like, a bunch of people being people, a bunch of dicks about it, people really. seem Yeah, people seem so entitled with this game being delayed that they're just so pissed off. They were being really just a bunch of bitches about the whole thing. It was pretty bad. So a couple other things that came out with this, though, too, besides just the delay, is it sounds like whatever it is that they found that they had to delay it by several months is going to be introducing the dreaded developer crunch. So... The developers are going to be working nonstop to actually get whatever it is resolved and get this ready for release. And then another story that came out as well with this, too, and I apologize, guys, I don't have the link. I only saw it today, is that they will not be having their multiplayer portion coming out until 2022. So it looks like they were talking about a release potentially next year of the multiplayer side of things. But that's even itself been given some extra time. And I... There wasn't any multiplayer in The Witcher um, or any of their other previous games, so this is a new step for them, I I think. Yeah. I don't know enough about their catalog, though, to say if they've are done you, multiplayer. Are you ready for my theory? Hmm. They're going to delay it again to coincide with The Matrix 4 and John Wick 4 release, and it's going to be the month of Keanu. Oh, my God. That is my new thought. Man, what but that a would month. be May of next year. <laughs> so I hope that's <laughs> May of 2021. 2021. So yeah. not only like the morning of, like the day that the movie comes out, you're at a midnight launch to pick up Cyberpunk. You go home and play, Keanu it, Reeves and then is you there. go to the movie theater for back to back Keanu movies. Keanu Reeves should be in there. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're not getting him to look pretty enough. Maybe he's like looking Whoa. like Adam Driver or something. <laughs> 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 you see that? <laughs> I think Have what you happened... seen that meme of Keanu Reeves and Adam Driver sitting next to each other? Uh, He's like, this looks like Adam Driver looks like me trying to draw Keanu Reeves from memory. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. 
<laughs> so here we are now, of course, with another delay, <laughs> waiting on Cyberpunk 2077 to release now in September. So you could throw Final Fantasy in there too. Yeah, that was a big one this month, this week too. And only what? a month delay. That's you know, the timing of these delays is kind of weird to me. It's it's been a week of delays. Yeah, literally with all the announcements. Yeah, there was been. another one that got delayed uh, till later this year. I t- thought too. I don't uh, remember, but there was one. Avengers, yeah. 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 Yeah, Avengers is, I think, September as well. August or September of this year. And I think then it was Final September. Fantasy is, yeah. I think it was September. It's just, it's really weird because, like, I, I want to know what, what they decide the time frame of a delay is. Like, for 7 Remake, it's only a month. But for Cyberpunk and Avengers, it's like half a year. That's where I'm wondering if they were They're QAing all... something and they came across some type of, like, game-breaking bug. Right. And well, they also the same thing too. Like, we need more time to polish. Mm-hmm. And then, but that makes me think different things depending on how long they delay. Mm-hmm. For like, Six months might be like an actual fundamental gameplay right. that they need to fix. They're like, this did not work. Right. right. Yeah. So it gives me a little more concern. But even like, even if it's just a single month, like Seven Remake, I'm like, is that really enough time to do what you really want to do? Does it depend? Maybe they're just adding costumes. I suppose. But. Or it could be, I think maybe the Final mm-hmm. Fantasy part could be a part of those leaks of the demo stuff, too. Like maybe they need to go it's back and do yeah, something yeah. change-wise because of that. Because a month time frame, I agree with you. Six months time frame, that makes me more think of a something breaking systems or the game itself fundamentally just shatters. Well, even even like with Cyberpunk, it's like you think this delay, but they still need to overwork everybody. And it makes me go, well, isn't the point of a delay to to not have to overwork all your employees? But is it that big of a deal where, hey, we need six months, but not only six months, but everyone else has to do overtime on top of that huge delay? I would really so like to hear factors, so. what exactly it is that's causing the delay, though. I don't. They will never come out and say it unless one of the one of the actual designers in the game, what, like someone in the group leaves the company and then says, yeah, this is how they fucked Cyberpunk up and this is what we had to go do to fix it. Maybe they're writing narrative <clears throat> for like side quests and stuff to make them better. I don't know. We're okay with delays though, right? Yes. And yeah. With a game as big as Cyberpunk, that's definitely, a, I think, a forgiving one Yeah. with the amount of content they want to have in that game. I also so, think it's interesting well, that I, like, I wonder if all these developers, how much they have communication with each other because 7 Remake got delayed first by a couple of days or maybe even close to a week. I think just a few days. But then everyone was like, well, they're right between Resident Evil 3 Remake and Cyberpunk. So, like, that's a packed first two weeks. That could of, have been it, too. Like, they April. didn't like where they were. Could and, be. And the releases of, because, what was it, April? Yeah. 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 So like literally maybe April because it was right after March, and March is a big month. Maybe they're like, no one's going to have money for cyberpunk, or like, the amount of time to actually put into it. Because I mean, Doom Eternal shouldn't take much time to actually get through gameplay wise. Animal Crossing's out in March, right? March twentieth. Yeah, yeah. So, Doom, Ori. There's a lot coming out. Yeah, in March. there's gonna be a lot to get a time. So maybe that could be it. But then still, the the word coming out that they have to crunch to do something. If they had come out and said, "Oh, it's because we need to actually get multiplayer integrated," then fuck you. But what were you saying? Oh, I had heard that uh, uh, some of the delay had to do with fleshing out the the Night City and whatnot. I had read that somewhere. Mm, yes, Night City. Yeah. Well, no, that specific area. Oh, I've been there. I know what you're talking about for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely know what the Night City is. <laughs> no, and we and we carry on. 
<laughs> so the next story in our list comes to us from Kotaku. And Elder Scrolls Online Adventure explores the dark heart of Skyrim. So article goes on to say, teased during the Video Game Awards back in December and officially announced today, The Dark Heart of Skyrim is a year-long story event in Bethesda's The Elder Scrolls Online, giving players the chance to explore iconic locations a thousand years before the events of Elder Scrolls V. V was Skyrim, correct? Yeah. Because the next one coming out, yeah, it's, okay. I was going to say, it's like... One, two, three, yeah. In case you haven't gotten enough Skyrim over the last... Skyrim has become the joke, like like Doom has, that Skyrim can be installed on anything. Like how Doom you Mm -hmm. could install on a a TI-84 graphing calculator, and now it's like, okay, let's put Skyrim on it. Let's see what happens. What's next for our game? Skyrim. Yeah. (laughs) Skyrim 2, Electric Boogaloo. So this game itself, or this part of Elder Scrolls Online, uh, it is going to... Let's see here. It will be coming out as a part of DLC on June 2nd. And it'll be out on PC, Xbox One, PlayStation 4. So, yay. Keep an eye out for that. I thought it was worth a mention because Do a lot of people enjoyed Skyrim. Mm-hmm. I don't play ESO, but I did play Skyrim. I played it for a little while, like two years ago. Did you play it back when it first came out and there was a lot of the game-breaking no, issues? No, I played Awful, it, when it yeah. after it had been out for a while and had a bunch of the fixes. So it, it actually played pretty smooth. But I just had the core game, and I think at that point they had at least one expansion out. So hmm. it's I think it's on Game Pass right now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Is it worth a playthrough? Should we try that one? No. no. It's going to be I mean, one of those. It's more Elder Scrolls. Yeah. It's just, just a full-on MMO. So yeah, we're going to sink yeah, hundreds yeah, of hours into that. Thank yeah, for, I think you're going to find thanks that Thanks for giving me the answer I really yeah. wanted, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All hmm. right. So cool. I'll be happy for Austin. Austin. Cares about that dumb game. So carrying on into the next story we have here. This one is actually linking back to Kotaku, but this one's from uh, Gama Sutra or Gama Sutra. I don't know how they pronounce their actual news aggregate here, but uh, report that PlayStation 4 exclusive Horizon Zero Dawn could come to PC. Sources speaking to Kotaku say that Guerrilla Games Horizon Zero Dawn is heading to PC later in 2020, a platform leap that is somewhat surprising given its current status as a PlayStation 4 exclusive developed by a Sony Interactive Entertainment-owned studio. I would actually love this. I don't own a PlayStation, but I have heard so many great things about Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, the timing is a little weird. Yeah, it is. That's like, a long time. That was, what, four years ago? It was 2016. Yeah, yeah. so four yeah, years four now. four years ago. It came out in February, so almost exactly four years. I wonder if it could be something maybe, if it does come out later, I wonder if it could be more of like a test for seeing how well it runs on like higher quality equipment and then moving it over to PlayStation 5. Mm. Like maybe they do like a, a remaster or something that gives it enough oomph because if that game, you know, with that game looking as good as it does... Will it look that much better or run that much better on PlayStation Five? That's a good 5? call. I think that's actually what they're doing is test. That's probably because mm-hmm. so they will remaster it. I would think for PS Five. It could be. It could be like a long scale graphic. So yeah, that would mm-hmm. make sense. So that's my guess on the matter. But I guess we. Will it is see. a good game, Sherm. But you made me kick it off the list of our games of the decade. <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't sound like you're sorry. (laughs) No, I'm really not. And with that said, we carry on. This story comes to us from Polygon. 
Title of the story is with all the game with all its games looking the same, Ubisoft shakes up its editorial team. Ghost Recon Breakpoint's launch similarity or similarity to Division 2 triggered the change. Ubisoft is overhauling the central editorial team that advises on all of its productions following lackluster sales of two Tom Clancy games that CEO blamed on a lack of differentiation in consumers' minds. Video Game Chronicle reports that Ubisoft Creative Chief Officer Sergey Hasko will remain in charge of Ubisoft's editorial group, but they will be given more subordinates and they will be given more autonomy so that he's able to lead from a broader perspective rather than directing individual projects himself. That's... Oh my god. It's our fault that we didn't buy those games? Is that what I heard in that first part? Yeah, that they just keep on cutting and pasting the same couple games that they've had with uh Ghost Recon Wildlands to and Division, Division to, to or Division to Wildlands to Division 2 to Breakpoint. Well, it really is the whole like lack of differentiation on consumers' minds like how dare us not some changes yeah. in, a, in a video game that you're going to charge me 60 bucks for? You mean for? The Division mm-hmm. and Ghost Recon aren't the same game? Like, wow. Fuck off, Ives. I don't yeah. know what his name is. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. Sure. I'm calling him Ives. Uh, further along in the article, it says, Ghost Recon Breakpoint landed with a wow. thud in October, both critically and commercially. In a call with investors later that month, uh, Guillemot said Breakpoint had been strongly rejected by a significant portion of the community and that it did not come in with enough differentiation factors which prevented the game's intrinsic qualities from standing out. I don't know if that game really had any quality. A lot of the quick looks I saw, a lot of the playthrough just didn't seem to show anything off that made it look worthwhile compared to its predecessor to Wildlands. So it was one I had on my list to pick up because Wildlands actually played pretty good, but I I don't know. Don't forget, Ubisoft also postponed a couple of their games, though, too. I mean, Watch Dogs was supposed to come out in March, and that's been pushed off. And then their Rainbow Six, what is it, Rainbow Six Quarantine and Gods and Monsters were also pushed Closer to the holiday season. What is the editorial team like? My assumption is that you have a team of writers who are actually getting the script set up for the game or the actual plot of the game itself. And then the editorial board are the ones who go in and offer the final say on things. But if you don't shake all of that up, or as this said, the chief creative officer was putting more effort into directing individual projects, that's where your problem was. Is you have the you have one guy who is truly acting as like the main editor, like the senior editor of everything, and giving the final say on the way these games are supposed to be laid out. And that's the problem is that it's just beating a dead horse. I have this comical image of this guy showing up to work like three hours late every day in his flip flops and is like, let's make it like division. Yeah, we're good. They'll like it. <laughs> and then he just kicks up and takes a nap in his desk. What was it that we were successful on in this game? Well, let's just do that again for the next I know. Three. Like, that's isn't that Ubisoft's problem? Right. That, they even said it. They said it after like like I just talked about. They talked about it in their earnings call that they're pushing out these games because <clears throat> obviously we've got some things we've got to work on and this is just part of it. But because they put all of that editorial control or th- this guy did not have enough people to do all these things and he assumed all of this power to make these changes himself or, or the, k- keep the similarities, that's where they ran into the problem. That's where they ran into the stagnation. So the big question is going to be like, especially with Watch Dogs Legion, as an example, is that game going to be vastly different from the way it was presented at E3? Is that game going to be vastly different with the jumping around because it's 
they're now focused so much on these editorials and the narrative and making sure these games are not as similar as they have been. Are we going to see a completely different Watch Dogs game than what we were expecting from the the announcement a couple of years ago? I don't think so, because that is different. What they showed off at E3 is completely different from what we have seen from Watch Dogs 1 and 2. That's or, why I was so excited for it. Yeah, I was like, oh, this like, is a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Like, or maybe at least keep the mechanics that we saw that everybody was excited for, jumping person to person and, and taking over people and doing all these different things with them. But I maybe think changing the fun. story around. Maybe changing the story around more so, so that way it doesn't have the same feeling as the previous Watchdog games. And giving Assassin's it more uniqueness. being co-op. That's a new thing, too. Hopefully they just don't mess it up like they did with Unity. Mm-hmm. What a disaster. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that launch and how bad it was. I'm That's like, not please. even the worst part about Unity. Uh, yeah. like. <laughs> no. Please don't repeat it. Ah, Unity. Fuck, you're making me sad, Dan. <laughs> So let's move on to our next story on the list. This one comes to us from USA Today. Super Nintendo World coming to Universal Studios Japan and maybe a theme park near you. Yeah. Ooh. Nintendo theme parks. Universal Studios Japan is opening Super Nintendo World this summer, featuring all the world's adventures and characters that have made the gaming system popular. Gaming system? Game franchise popular? Yeah, whatever. The park will include your typical theme park attractions like rides and shop as well as interactive gameplay. Uh, so they did this whole press conference there in Japan to kind of show off some of the things that they've already got prepped, a couple teaser things that have come up so far. But did you guys happen to see any of the aerial footage where they are flying over and showing off some of the stuff being built up in the in the actual park itself? I did see I, some of that. Mm-mm. Yeah. So they have – there's some type they've of aerial flyover. Like the last four or five years. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it was an actual, like, news company was doing the flyover or what. Um, It was all in Japanese, so I couldn't understand exactly, like, what group they were with or if it was just someone flying over. But they were showing off the way the level set up or at least the what looks to be a level. They're showing some sort of Mario-esque mountain, Yoshi standing up on top. Um, They have all the different warp pipes and that around, though, too. Uh, showing off the the well-known Mario flag, the, either the Mario checkpoint flag or what you'd see as the end of a level flag from Super Mario Brothers. Uh, and, of course, a lot of it's still framework anyway, so they're still putting a lot of it together. But the question is, though, is, I mean, this is Universal Studios Japan. Would you guys go to one if they put it up at Universal Studios there in California or Orlando? Like, yeah. Yeah, it'd be sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, Although I am seeing that they're going to... In- Include a Mario Kart ride. Boy, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> I just want to know what the blue shell is. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't get to throw bananas at people, I'm going to be mad on this I don't ride. Know if I'd want to be hit. I don't know if I'd want to be hit by the blue shell because maybe they make it interactive enough to throw the cart off of the actual rails. <laughs> what would you be able to do, though, to simulate that part of it? That's what I'm trying to think of is like maybe just ride over speed boost and your car goes a little I wonder faster. if you'd actually have like a side-by-side That'd be coaster. nuts, man. There's like little sensors in the ground and shit if you ride over them. You get a speed boost. You know, actually. Oh, yeah. That- like maybe they could do something like that, like a banana, like a sensor that's a banana. Maybe like, like a. That makes your car go slow. Maybe like, like a double or triple track. So you've got like three different like cars next to each other. And then, yeah, you run over it, but then, you know, they can cycle over the top of each other. If you get hit by a red shell, maybe like it slows down. So the others go up and you have like interactive things in front of you to do that. Uh, what like, if there's like something built into the car that can make you spin? Like a, like a full 360. And then your car starts up again. He's like, that'd be fucking so sweet. I would cool. love that. Legoland, California. When we went on our vacation this last summer, we went on a Ninjago ride 
that was very interactive, kind of like that. You were sitting in this cart. You actually wore 3D glasses, and what you were doing was interacting with these panels in front of you. They were just infrared sensors. So as you broke the infrared sensor, moving your hand over the top of it, you were initiating different like powers depending on where you were sitting, like ice, um, earth, fire, and electricity. To be able to defeat these enemies as you went, you were wearing 3D glasses. I wonder if it could be almost in the same the same vein where you're sitting, maybe a couple people, the one car, and you're controlling the different things, maybe a double dash style type thing, like where one person actually controls some of the effects and the other person kind of controls like, okay, you know, we're putting a little bit more tilt here, putting a little bit more speed here, and then they can trade off in what they're doing in different spots. I think we're being too hopeful. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking Nintendo, It's just going to be a roller be coaster, sick. but it's just going to look like a go-kart. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, we're... A giant 16-person Mario Kart. They're getting, I don't know, they do some really crazy stuff with rides, though. Now, like, the Harry Potter shit that I saw at Universal, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool shit. Mm. So I'm pretty... Uh, I would definitely go. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And cool. it's a familiar theme, so that's always nice. Podcast, team trip, float up and go. No. All right. I tried. <laughs> I'm not Moving on to the to next Japan. story. This next story comes to us from Engadget. Microsoft's Xbox console streaming preview goes global. As long as you're an Xbox insider, of course. Microsoft has been experimenting with streaming Xbox games to Android phones and tablets for a while as it looks for an answer to the PS4's remote play. Now, after opening a limited beta late last year, all Xbox insiders in countries that support Xbox One can have a go. The list of requirements is fairly hefty. As well as being inside an update preview ring, you need an Android device capable uh, running Marshmallow or higher. You also need to own a Bluetooth Xbox One controller and a speedy home network to ensure your setup can cope with streaming. I can tell you for a fact, like we talked about last week, you need more than a 10 megabit per second upload to actually have a good experience. You need more than that. Trying to play Dark Souls... On console streaming, both through my own home network and through um, cellular. Quit blaming it on the streaming. You <laughs> suck. <laughs> it was not me playing the game. It was actually seeing the game, Preston. No, I know whatever. I'm terrible at that game, okay? I bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Software can't support my demands. Stupid tourists. So this is all just an expansion <laughs> of the the Project X Cloud work or the the streaming work that they've been doing thus far. I really like what this is going to end up being. Uh, I can't wait to see it evolve further, but they need to get better, I think, about how they handle the actual encoding and compression of the stream. So that way you don't run into that because we here where we live, I don't think have any options for anything more unless you really want to pay more. I think for the next tier up to even get like 25, maybe 20 or 25 megabits per second upload is around $120. And I'm paying 70 right now for a hundred down and 10 up. So for that one thing, I don't see it as being worth it to go and do that upgrade unless I was away from home enough to, to need something like that. But I'm not. So have you like, I think you're in it, right, Kyle? Yeah. Did you do it? Okay. I, I still haven't messed around with it too much more, in all honesty, just because I've had so much, so many issues with it. I And like I said, my the Wi-Fi at my house isn't all that great, but that being said, I, I've had a lot of, like, screen tearing, lagging, both um, in the visual and audio department, um, 
load times are, are can be horrendous at times. So it, it's it's not even worth really trying. Um, I haven't, I still haven't tried with the uh, console streaming that much though. So see, and that's where I'm on the inverse with you is that I've had nothing but it, like. I would say I've had about maybe 80% of a positive experience with the streaming side of it. Not the console streaming, but the regular game streaming. Right. The only two problem games I had were World War Z and War Thunder. Everything else, just a couple little tweaks to the actual controls, and they ran fine. Yeah, see. And but console side was just garbage. Yeah. It, I mean, like, I, I haven't tried really the console side too much, but the streaming side, exact opposite experience that you had. Hmm. So okay, are and you it guys? It could be just location. It could be service. I don't know. It could just be my my Wi-Fi. I don't know. That's still a problem though, because I, I, right. I you probably don't have bad Wi-Fi. You probably have average Wi-Fi. Uh, it, it's not the greatest. I, I I would think in my house. I am curious how much, like, for the entire country, I wonder how much is going to have an issue versus it's going to run smoothly. Well, the other problem you're going to run into is a lot of these larger companies, Comcast being a big example, have data caps. So I don't know if the data cap is more on download than upload, but that's still something to also consider. The other side of considering it, though, is that if you're on your own home network and you're doing console streaming, one of the other things I look at is like uh, Steam Link for being able to stream PC games. Um, you should just have your console set up to do streaming, but it shouldn't have to talk to the Internet at all. It should just be using your own home network to stream to you if you're connected to the same network. It should just be your Xbox pumping out something through your wireless network or wired network if you're hooked in and then wirelessly through to your phone that's connected on the same network and it should be a near flawless experience. I mean, my gigabit router should have been able to handle that no problem, but it offloads somewhere to Microsoft and then kicks it back to you. So it leaves home and then comes back. And that's that's kind of a pain. I think there should be that option that if you're at home... Just play it from there. So I can be upstairs. I can just play it on my phone, whatever, instead of being down here. Or when I leave the house, okay, now change over and start pushing it out so I can play wherever I'm at. I'm so proud of myself. I understood almost all of that PC talk just a second ago. <laughs> like probably 15 out of the 18 seconds. I'm I'm pretty proud of myself. Yeah, see, and the, the Steam Link side of things is that it, it's the same way, except the only difference is that there's no remote play functionality for it. The only thing that there is with it is um, it's all within your house. So it's all rendered and played on your computer itself, but you can play it on someone else's computer or in the same case of the the Steam Link adapter or the Steam Link box and the controller. You can you know, hook that up to your TV and play there. It just all runs on your own computer, though. So you can't use your computer for anything else. But that's all done in your home. So they got that figured out. I hope that Microsoft introduces something like that at some point. Moving on to our last story here in the list. Sony to skip E3 2020 says vision of the show isn't right. That is not the title of... Second consecutive year of no showing the massive gaming show. Nope, that is not the title. That is the title I have. That is not the title you have. This story comes to us from CNET. Yes, the title I put in here in the document says Sony ain't going to E3, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It was very important that... That was read aloud. <laughs> I was getting so much shit, I had to put that in there. Anyway. I don't think I was giving you shit for the title, was I? Oh, no, I was doing it for not. That's right. So, so then, I changed okay. it. Yeah, so you fucked the whole thing up. Okay. You're, You're welcome. Right. 
So, way to fuck it up. E3 is the world's biggest gaming convention, but for the second year in a row, it won't feature a presence from PlayStation. Sony told GameIndustry.biz that it won't be at E3 in June, which follows its absence at 2019's show. The gaming giant confirmed its absence in a statement to CNET. This is not really much of a surprise. We were kind of talking about this before we started recording, that it's almost cost prohibitive in one way or another to kind of line yourself up with E3 schedule. And, I mean, Sony has enough money anyway, but then they can run their own thing on their own rules. They don't require E3's presence necessarily to get things going. Now, I don't think that's going to necessarily hold anything back for showcasing PlayStation 5 games and maybe seeing some of the hardware at that point in time actually on the floor, but Sony's going to control a lot more of their stuff on their own terms. So maybe they'll have an event. They haven't set any dates on anything when they're going to do something different that I'm aware of, but maybe they're going to do something either the day of with E3, like something off to the side, or maybe the day before. So that way... When E3 kicks off, okay, all of the console stuff has been announced now. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it's going to do. Here's everything under the hood. Now, when you go to E3, you can actually see games being played on it. Here's all of our partners doing their thing. So, where I find this interesting, though, of course, even not just being Sony, being out of it, but part of it is that it's a console release year for them. That it's a new generation console coming out. And... Giant Bomb in their podcast this week were talking about this. The first year of E3 was the very first year that Sony was there and announced the PlayStation. The and I think that was probably the year after they got screwed over by Nintendo and Philips with the the collaboration that was going on. So that was it. So Sony is really embedded into E3's history, and now for the first time with this new console, they're not going to be doing anything. Or at least what E3 related, they're not. I mean... It's just surprising since there's a new console. You know that... Mm-hmm. That's going to garner a lot of attention. Yeah, Scarlet's going to be there. So you would think that Sony would want it there too, but... True. Yeah, Unless they're first. I think that's kind of a good thing, though. I think that means they have enough confidence in their upcoming generation that they're like, we don't need to necessarily have it compete side by side, but we can just show it off when we're we're ready to and... Well, see, I think it's the opposite. I think they need to control the narrative so much that Hmm. I don't think it, they don't think it's as good. Hmm. Maybe the other part is to maybe kind of hold back on the leaks though, that come out too. Cause if they, if they have the event after E3 uh, and people, of course, like the, the publishers and developers want to showcase the games they're going to have coming out for PlayStation five, what's the possibility that they're not going to be using dev hardware in the background. They're actually going to be using consumer level PlayStation fives. And you've got people there in the background who are able to actually get pictures of the console. So it comes back to what you guys said is it's control. It's keeping everything kind of there. So my guess is they're going to have some type of announcement just before E3, some type of, uh, some type of big event that they're going to host. They're going to show it off. When did they do their showcase last year? Because they still had one because they did last uh, – it was like their – It's f- after – it was after E3 though, I thought. Their last state of play was this one back in December when they showed off the Resident Evil 3 trailer and uh, the Untitled Goose game port. The, the article says it right here. And then there yeah. were several other things that they talked about too. But that was the last thing that they had. Well, no, I was just referring more to they did something. Oh, a big actual like showcase. Yeah, they had their four pillars with um, – That's a good question actually. 
Well, what did they have? They had Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us 2. When was the last? Spider-Man was one of those pillars. So that might have been two years ago. Yeah, because Death Stranding is the other one. That's right. That's right. I want to say that was that was like the same time, but they just weren't at E3. They just did it all. Um, they had I think a, they just did a theater shit out during the year. They're like, "Hey, this is coming out." Yeah, actually, that their last one is it's so it's called the PlayStation Experience. That's what it was. Uh, used to reveal games and game related merchandise. It looks like is what it is. Their last one was August nineteenth, twenty eighteen. So yes, yeah, so they didn't know. So a couple months after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do have to do something before E3, I think. Yeah, they can't just let Scarlet have everything there. It'll be oh, interesting I, to see. But, uh, I take that back. Everything I had heard pointed to yeah. like April that they were going to have something. April? Yeah. That'd be a good idea. Which seemed to make sense. Yeah. So. Yeah, because yeah, if the final design of Series X is already out there with what we saw at the Game Awards a couple weeks ago, then the PlayStation 5 has to be relatively close to a consumer design and consumer hardware what they're going to sell to us that would be the great time to actually show it off as april and kind of build up that hype it's like oh cool we go to e3 now and we're going to actually be able to play games on the playstation 5 and see yeah. what it's truly like versus just seeing some some in-game rendered stuff that they're putting up on a on a projector right so e3 is going to get worse and worse i think they may end up just getting rid of it. Because it, remember, it was originally an industry event where you had to either be a member of the press or a member of that industry to get in. And now it's become a convention yep. that everybody's actually able to go. It doesn't matter who you work for. I think they've changed the rules, though. I don't think you can go every day now. Did they? I, I, yeah, I, I want to say there's like uh, – I think it's like the first two or three days yeah. are just core industry. And then the last two or three days are for Open. the public. Yeah. I wonder if what changed it really was PAX. And the way the Penny Arcade Expo handles uh, showing off games and how they brought the community together. Because the game, all of the different game developers and publishers have such a presence at that convention that maybe that's why E3 changed around. It's like, well, we see how how awesome it is to show off things here and how much more hype and buzz we can build up for these games and, and things. Let's go ahead and do that with E3. Well, even before PAX, I think uh, E3 had a lot of publicity through the media, you know, just people covering what was there, just different media outlets, because especially at the time, uh, G4 was really big. Um, I think that was just before PAX started getting yeah getting big. And that, that was my thing. I remember that back drove in the a day. a lot of people to want to try to go to, mm-hmm. to E3. And so. I remember that being my thing is actually having E3 watch parties with people. It's like, right. come over. We'll watch. Here's when the press conferences are going on. We can actually kick back and watch these things. It was like watching the Super Bowl. Exactly. Like, you know, you got food around. You're just hanging out. You're like, oh, my God, cool. You can see these games being announced <laughs> with your friends. It's just it was awesome. That is not what it is anymore. But not too much <laughs> anymore now. No, fuck no. I think I'm with you. It's just about the control now. They just want mm-hmm. – it's a lot harder to work with everybody to get your shit going and to cut it down to that hour and a half or whatever they Do they everything get. in your own terms. Yeah, it's like yeah. – yeah, just – I don't know why you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But Well, and it's kind of funny because I, I, I had heard interviews with uh, people that worked in the industry that, you know, they had gone in the past and going now and – uh, there's there are a lot of people in the industry that don't like going as much now because it, it's 
it's hard to get into the booths that you want to get into to oh, be yeah. able to, you know, test out the games that you want to be able to test out. That you, if you're if you're trying to write an, an article that's focused exclusively on something, you know, you you might spend two days getting into that booth, whereas you know it used to be you could spend a couple hours and you might actually get to see a few other things. Now they get a lot of shit though. That's like true, but I mean they they, they, they get sneak peeks to their own shit that no one else even gets to see. They get a lot of that stuff too. Yeah, but this it's it, just them it, it used to be really, their, yeah. It used to be media's big outlet, and now it's turned into a big outlet for basically everyone. They yeah. got there two days, man. That's not enough for them. They need all five. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our last news story here for the week. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to check us out on social media at facebook.com slash the NPCs podcast. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, although I will admit I have not been touching Instagram too much lately. So whatever. Uh, you can also check us out on anchor.fm slash the dash NPCs dash podcast. We have links on our page there to Spotify, Google podcast, Apple podcast, and more. And of course, as the days go on, we continue to get added to more and more platforms. So maybe your favorite platform will appear at some point in time. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. You have yourselves a great night. 